Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast with your host, me, Archie Gravener. This is the podcast that combines the worlds of fitness, success, and entrepreneurship to empower you on your own journey of greatness. On this journey, you're going to be meeting some incredibly interesting people and hearing some incredibly interesting backstories. So you can take the lessons, you can take the insights from these conversations and implement it into your own life. One thing I'd ask for anyone listening to this, if you enjoy what you listen to, please share it on social media. Tell your friends, tell your family. It means more to me than you know. Phil, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you so much for being here. Um, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really excited to answer all your questions, share my story and get into some tactics and strategies on health and wellness. And talk some shit and have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone listening that doesn't know who you are, um, yeah, tell them who are you and what do you do? My name is Phil Anthony. I'm a health consultant based currently in Thailand, but I'm originally from the UK. My background is actually architecture and engineering. So I studied structural engineering and architecture, worked as a structural engineer and then Life got in the way and made a change, did TED Talks, uh, wrote a book, ran health retreats, and everything in between. Moved around the world from Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, now Thailand, as I said, and now based myself mainly in Thailand, but spend a lot of time in Dubai and work with clients around the world, optimizing their health. Yeah, that's so amazing. What, <laughs> what a man. Um, so how, how did you go from being uh, working in a brick and mortar office, a nine to five civil engineering in Saudi Arabia to now having like probably the complete opposite of that, working as a health consultant and, and having a bit of freedom? Yeah, so I think for me, I had everything I wanted. As a kid, I wanted stability. I wanted to do a good career. I wanted to travel. And I had that. And then something really weird happened. I was designing stadiums and towers and loved my job, absolutely loved it. And I still love architecture and engineering. But I won this award and you would think that winning that award, it was consultant of the year, you would think that that would be my like, I've made it moment. But actually what had happened is quite the opposite. So I was, I think I was 26 at the time. And this award that I'd won was up against you know, people in their 30s and their 40s and really established consultants and architects and engineers. And I'd won this award and I got all these messages from directors and partners. I was on in magazines and newspapers. And it was at that moment that I went home in my fam family home in London and um, sat on my bed and just thought to myself, okay, I've made it, but this doesn't feel great. Uh, and it was at that moment that I was like, this shouldn't be happening. I, I, I should feel good. And when my bosses and my seniors were writing to me and saying, wow, this is amazing. And I was feeling the complete opposite. And that left me really confused. I was like, well, everyone's telling me I should be happy, but I'm not. Everyone is telling me I should be grateful and I'm not. And everyone's saying like the future's bright and I don't see it. And I um, went back to my boss in the Middle East and said to him, like, I just need to take some time off. And he was like, well, how much time do you need? And I said, well, I don't really know. Like, I feel a bit lost. And um, engineers, we don't really talk about our feelings. So that was quite weird as well. Uh, it's very masculine energy where you don't talk about kind of your struggles. But it just didn't feel right to me. 
And so I opened up to him and I said, look, I just feel completely lost. I don't have direction. I don't feel good in myself. So I need to take some time. He said, again, okay, tell me how long. And I said, look, his name's Oliver. I said, Oliver, I've never lost myself. I don't know how long it's going to take to find myself. <laughs> so he said, what about like two weeks? I was like, okay, I've never lost myself before, but I think it's going to take longer than two weeks to find myself. Uh, so he was like, what about four weeks? And I was like, probably not long enough, mate. Like I was thinking like six months or a year to just, you know, extract myself from the pressure and the work and everything. And um, he was like, what about six weeks paid? And I was like, okay, I'm not an idiot. I'll find myself. <laughs> so yeah. I, I took six weeks off, went to Thailand went on health retreats i studied massage just to get do something different completely different and um i went to a health retreat and that health retreat that i went to within two days the owners of it said to me why don't you stay here like you know just stay work with us and i was like and, and do what like i had no background in health no background in business really no background in marketing or anything and they said look you know, we just want you. We we think your energy is really good. You're pretty smart. Like you're good at numbers. You're creative. You're good with people. You can learn everything else. And I was like, oh, these guys are mad. So I didn't take that opportunity. I went back to my job in Saudi and my boss at the time, I walked in late and he looked at his watch and uh, looked at his computer screen, looked at me and I was just like, that that look of you're late. And I was like, you're not you know, when I'm staying late at work, you know, no one ever says anything. When I'm staying late on these projects, earning billions of dollars for the company, you know, no one says anything. But I'm two minutes late and you're looking at your watch. I was like, I need my freedom. I need to take ownership. And I basically resigned. I took that opportunity in, in, in Thailand to basically become a partner and director in that business with zero experience, uh, zero knowledge if it would work. But I was like, I can work hard. I, I, I can back myself on that. So I joined that retreat, grew that business from, you know, a six, seven, eight bedroom kind of villa to a 30, 40 bedroom villa. People from all around the world, we, you know, more than 10x our income. We became the highest rated retreat in the world. Celebrities would come, people from around the world. And um, I worked there for four years. The business grew. Then I left and instead of working with groups i started working with individuals in person on their health so whether they had sleep problems gut problems um, hormonal issues they would sit with me i'd look at their lab results and i would help them and uh, that's what i've been doing for the last probably five six years amazing that is like zero to a hundred in, in, <laughs> in the space of five six years but what I find really interested about that, it's very similar to my story, obviously going from quantity surveying where I was to now being a fitness coach, is that feeling of being lost. I feel I feel like when, when you get a taste of that freedom, when you get a taste of like something that you love to do that's not the nine to five, not working in an office, every single day, no matter how much you kid yourself, it just grows and grows and grows and grows um, to the point where you start dropping the ball. Like you say, that two minutes late turns into four minutes late or eight minutes late. And it just continues and spirals. What was the what was the reaction from your loved ones around you as well when you said that you know you were packing in this amazing opportunity, this amazing career opportunity to go to Thailand and run health retreats? I think when you make these decisions to make a change that doesn't conform to the norm, goes a bit off piste and 
you know, kind of goes against the grain. Your loved ones want the best interest for you. They, they have your best interest at heart and they, they want you to be safe and they want you to be happy. And that tends to be doing the thing that keeps you safe and it puts money on the table. So my family were the same. They were like, what are you doing? You know, you've, I, I went to a great university, got first class degree, got chartered one of the youngest in the world, won this award, designed Olympic stadiums, like worked for one of the best companies in the world that paid for me to buy a house and all the, all these good things. Why are you leaving this to start from scratch? So obviously their reaction was you're mad. But at the same time, I think that they also felt that you've started from nothing. Like I come from, you know, I was born in North London in a council estate. My dad left when I was five. My mum died when I was 15. I used to pick up rubbish off the floor as a litter picker. I was a weekend job. I worked in restaurants, went to a shitty state school, got straight A's. So like they knew that I could do that again. Mm. So although I was leaving something that was quite established and a good career and a good job, the same skill sets that got me there can get me there. So although they were a bit concerned, I think underlying that was, well, he's done it before. So, you know, he can probably do it again. And so um, the last 10 years, having made that change, uh, I think they're very proud of taking the risk, but also the follow through. Because a lot of people take risks, uh, but they, they haven't, you know, put in the effort they haven't demonstrated and built the confidence about starting things from scratch so you know if if someone's gone to the gym having been overweight and then got really fit you've shown the consistency and commitment and follow through if you've started a business from zero and you've grown that business you've you've shown commitment and consistency and follow through so anyone who's demonstrated those things can demonstrate them in different paths and different avenues and different areas of their life so I think my family believed oh, he'll be he'll be all right and at the very worst what if it didn't work out I can always go back right I can always go back to my career I can always go back to what worked before but I think I would have kind of regretted not trying yeah that is so true so when I when I left my role uh, obviously again like that huge huge safety net and that everyone thought I was crazy for leaving it as well remember vividly having that conversation my parents like, sat around a table told them what I was doing they were like what the fuck you're, you're gonna give that in at your age uh, that has amazing career possibilities to go and do this thing that has like no safety it's just like out there but I remember um having that exact same conversation and and feeling the exact same way as you it's like I know in my heart of heart, I've proved it to myself previously through the side hustles that I've done where I haven't even had time to do them, is that it's something that Alex Formosi says is confidence, uh, confidence equals competence. And it's having that undeniable proof uh, to yourself that you are who you say you are. And if you know at your heart of hearts that you are who you say you are and you can go and do this thing, think about the fucking potential that you have to go and do that when you're actually working for yourself rather than working for a boss that you don't even like. Um, so when I, when I had that conversation, like in my mind, I thought I was going to go sit there with my parents and, and be like, they're going to be like, oh yeah, this is an obvious obvious thing. And then you realise that they're viewing it from an outside perspective. And if you look at it from an outside perspective, it's like, oh no, shit, this is, this is actually a little bit crazy. <laughs> Not many people do this. Um, what do, If someone's listening to this and they're thinking that they're having that feeling, maybe that bug's growing inside of them and... Uh, they, they turn up to work every day and they're like, Jesus Christ, this is awful and I don't want to do this anymore. What's that one bit of advice that you could potentially give them from 
from your journey. Um, yeah, what, what's one bit of advice that you could give them to, to go on their way? I would say the biggest advice I can give someone is a job provides security and stability. It also has the potential to fulfill your passion, your purpose, your mission, connection, has all these other aspects. Entrepreneurship doesn't suit everyone. Business suits a lot of people. You know, you can leave your job at the end of the day. If the business fails, you have no responsibility. When you work for yourself, you it stops with you. It stops with the hours that you put in. And so it looks quite romantic to go and work for yourself and take a new path. But in reality, it never stops. You're, it's always on your mind. Your clients are always in the back of your mind. And so I would say to anyone thinking of making a change, if they're currently working in a business and they are thinking about entrepreneurship, my advice is to start your entrepreneurship journey while working for that company. Because you have five, seven days in a week. You work for five days for a company. There are two full days that you can work on your side hustle. If you can't do that while working in a company, how are you going to do it when you work for yourself? Because it's seven days. Seven days. Longer hours, harder work, it starts with you. So if you can't do it while working for a company, how are you going to do it when you work for yourself? That's the first piece of advice. If you're thinking about just making a career change, so maybe studying something new, uh, maybe uh, starting a new passion project, anything like that, I would say just start. Don't think it through too big don't make it such a big mission just go okay what you know if you're interested in fitness sign up to a pt course if you're interested in yoga buy a yoga mat and do some youtube videos if you're you know thinking of becoming a travel writer just go on holiday one time and write a blog like you don't have to have this whole brand and this logo and this big business plan just go and have some fun and meet people and see how those dots connect and if they connect in a way that kind of vibes with you, do a bit more of it until the point where you build a bit of confidence until the point where you're like, this feels good and then push it and push it a bit more and go from Saturdays and Sundays working on that to some days in the week working on that until one point you're like, okay, I really love this and actually I'm pretty good at this and back to the thing of, you know, confidence and competence. If you're good at it, you probably want to do more of it if you want to do more of it, you'll probably get better at it. And if you get better at it, you can probably charge for it. And if you can charge for it, you'll do more of it because that's a bit of a reward. And then you'll do more and more and more of that until one point you're like, actually, I don't need this job anymore. I'll go and do this. And that's the journey that I would take. I wouldn't just quit and go all in. I would build confidence that my decision was right. Yeah, I think what you said about like people romanticizing entrepreneurship is so, so true. Like from the outset, it looks very good like we were just saying before we came on the podcast uh we're in dubai right now and from the outside it looks all great but the majority of our time is spent in a hotel room at our laptop working all hours of the day um so i think it's very easy to romanticize entrepreneurship but you have to be willing to work very fucking hard you have to be willing to give your absolute all to it um and i think like you say a lot of people are actually very fit for a nine to five to work those set hours go home and watch telly for the night um, and, and people don't realize as, as an entrepreneur, especially when you're building it, you can't do that. 
Like there, there isn't, that's not a possibility. Um, but tell me, tell me a bit about, so you've just talked about um, if, if someone wanted to go on, to, on a journey of entrepreneurship, how they would start it. Tell me a bit about how that started for you, uh, especially in the, in the realm of health consultancy. Yeah, so obviously having worked in engineering, we, you know, for my whole like first part of my career, we take problems, right? And we provide many different solutions for our clients. In terms of the risk to us, there's very little. Like, you know, we do the work, we're paid for it, and that's pretty much it. We don't even have to implement all of those things ourselves. As you go up the chain in engineering, you start taking more responsibility. So when I then moved into running a health retreat, I was in a position where I could make decisions, you know, take those risks, uh, lead people, and, 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 you know, manage departments of marketing, sales, uh, customer experience, obviously the, the, the journey of health as well for my clients, uh, dealing with travel agents and contracts and all of those things. I built my confidence in, the, in those areas whilst earning money from my company. So it was like, you know, if you think about it, usually you pay to learn those experiences from a college or a course or a mentor. Well, my job paid me to learn that on the job. It was great experience. I think what I learned in those four years, I'd probably have to do, a, you know, a five-year course and get, you know, five years of experience in a company, so 10 years or so, to get what I got in like two years of on-the-job, diving straight in and learning on the job. Once I'd done that, starting my own company and starting my own journey was actually relatively easy because I'd built all those skills. So you know that when I moved into online coaching from off, so I was working in person as a coach uh, and working on people's health. When I went online, I grew really quick. The reason I grew quick was because of all the hard graft I put in before, building relationships, learning all those skills, learning how to market, learning how to sell, learning how to be a good communicator, which I think is underrated. I think every person in the world needs to learn how to read, write, um, convey messages as clearly as possible. I think that's the most underrated skill that people can uh, should and can develop very easily. Everyone can improve that. Um, so when I moved into online coaching, my entrepreneurship journey in that realm has grown faster than any of the ones before because... All those skills I gained as an engineer, as a consultant, as a TED speaker, as a health retreat director, as an in-person coach, I've just used all of them now. So although I'm in a different industry, I still use the skills as a consultant when I was 23. Now that I'm 37, the same skill sets apply. Like as a consultant, we look at a problem, we look at the solution you want, we provide different options. Well, the same is true in health. I look at yours, your, your health status. I ask you what your goals are. I'm like, do you want to go like this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to try that? They tell me, then I give them a pathway. So it's the same process. It's just applying it to a different realm. So I think in entrepreneurship, a lot of people listening to this, if you think about your job and the job that you're paid to do, a lot of those skills, like if you're in sales, a lot of the skills that you have developed as that paid employee when you go and start something new or maybe start your own company or work for another company, there's a lot of soft skills that you've gained. Uh, time management, um, building rapport, uh, closing people, calls to action, um, just being a good human. They're all developed and then you get to use them in your new realm. So I think that's what's worked for me. 
I don't know if that's the right path, but it's the right path for me. And I think it's a path that could work for many people. Yeah, I think I think that's so true. Like no matter where you are right now, I think the best way to look at this is, is just saying, what am I learning from this? What is this moment teaching me? Like if you're someone that is maybe cleaning toilets or have a job that you really don't like, that might be just teaching you how to grit your teeth and do hard work that you don't like um because believe me as a business owner and as an entrepreneur there's going to be plenty of days where you still have to do that um, and i think looking at everything as a lesson everything is something that that's teaching you whether that's a failure whether it's a setback whether it's a kick in the teeth that is the best mindset that you can have towards anything um and and some of those moments are going to feel like absolute shit but they are teaching you things and if, if you can learn to pick those lessons out of those and put it into something that you actually love i think that's where things really take off for people I love that, Archie. I love it because that's true on people's health journey where there are things that we ask them to do and we advise them to do. And it's not easy, but this is what's going to get you results. And even if it didn't get your results, it's going to teach you discipline. It's going to teach you consistency. It's going to teach you to put in the hours where others won't. And if you want the results that others aren't getting, you've got to be prepared to do what they're not doing. And I think a lot of people just expect things to be easy and not to, you know, I don't want to say the word man up, but you've got to toughen up. You've got to be like, come on, you, you're very privileged. Most people are way more privileged than they think they are. Like I lived in Nigeria for six months in North Nigeria without aircon in this like little village. People worked so freaking hard in that you know, it's on the equator, in that sun, in that heat, people would just work so freaking hard. And then I came back to the UK and I'm like, you guys are moaning. Like, what are you moaning about? Like, you get to turn your tap on, water comes out. These guys, and I had to experience this, had to pump water from the borehole, walk like a kilometer with this jerry can on my head to get back and have a shower. And every drop of that water, I would be like, careful with, because I'm like, if I waste this, I've got to go walk a kilometre again to get more. And that's the kind of toughening up experience people need. I think people just need to have these kinds of experiences to realise, come on, life's not that hard. I think it's so true. Like when, whenever I'm in the UK, it's like the most windy place ever, but everyone's safe. Everyone has running water and food, no matter where you are. Um, and I think the, the places that I've been are the most deprived in the world. And I've, I've never been anywhere... Uh, probably like you have where they're, where they're having to literally walk miles and miles of water but places like Thailand where people still have very very little in in certain areas they're the happiest people I've ever met like genuinely the happiest people that I've ever met and I think if we ask ourselves the question like why are they happy it's like they're truly connected to what humanity should be of like friends and family and good connections and actually being grateful whereas like we have it so fucking comfortable in th in this world that we live in that we lose sight of all that and we just take everything for granted. So, yeah, I think that's, that's so true. We get free school in the UK. Our universities are pretty good. We can sign up to courses. We can go on YouTube and teach ourselves. We can get books for free. Like we have all these, you know, I call them giants who have stood and worked and gritted their teeth before us that we can just jump on their backs and go, well, we don't even have to work that hard. They've, they've written the books. We can just read them. <laughs> You know, everyone can can do that. And if you can't read, you can watch. And if you can't watch, you can practice. So, you know, I find it really difficult when people say, oh, it's really hard, it's really hard. I'm like, I don't think you know what hard is. And until you experience that, your perception of hard will always be, 
oh, I have to work on the weekends. There's people working seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, from the age of like seven until they die. And for nothing. Yeah, for nothing. So until you experience in that, I'm just like, sorry, I can't listen to this. Like, it's too much. I, I think it's a superpower teaching yourself hard. Like teaching it's something that David Goggins speaks about. I don't know if you're a fan of David Goggins. I feel like he's either a love or hate person. Um, but something he talks about a lot is like going to the depths of hell on purpose. So he does these crazy runs like the 240 milers in the desert, that, that kind of stuff. And the reason is to because we're so, um, again, we take it for granted in, in the Western world. Uh, the reason is to go into those depths of hell is like you're going to learn so much about yourself. Uh, whereas like if you do just have silk sheets every night and you're comfortable every single second of the day, you learn absolutely nothing. So uh, you don't have to take it to the extreme of like going to do a 240 mile desert run. But what can you do that is going to make life slightly harder for you? Um, I, f- I think that's abs- an absolutely massive thing. So just before this, I, I actually went out for a run in the Dubai heat. Every single step of the way, I was like, I really want to give up. I really don't want to do this. This absolutely sucks life sucks right now and I don't want to be here I'd rather be at home watching Netflix but once you've finished that run it's taught yourself uh, it's taught you something about yourself and I think that's a that's an absolute superpower to, to actually do that but you're completely right like 99% of people don't want to do that and that's why they never actually get out of their safety their safety net and, and kind of escape where they want to escape from exactly you know in training we call it progressive overload mm. right if you keep lifting the weight every day eventually it becomes easy yeah and you're not going to grow. In fact, you might get weaker because you're not challenging the muscle anymore. And just like bones, bones need to be under pressure in order to stay strong. If the bone is not pressured, then it will start to crumble. And so the same is true in most aspects of life. If you're not, just make it a little bit harder. Just working that extra hour, just sweating an extra bit, just raising that heart rate just a little bit more doing that extra rep if you're not prepared to do that your level isn't just even going to stay where it is it's going to drop your standards will drop so i'm a big fan of crossfit and you know it's not for everyone but you go into that workout no matter if you've done it a year 10 years 100 years that workout is always hard because you will push yourself harder you're trying to get faster you're trying to get stronger you're trying to move more elegantly you're trying to just be better And that's what I love about it. There is no destination. You never get there. Even the person who wins the CrossFit Games is still trying to be better. And that's what we need to apply in most aspects of our life. Like, no matter what you're earning, no matter what your health is, no matter uh, your relationships with your loved ones, your partners, your friends, you can optimize these. Mm. So going back to the uh, optimized entrepreneur... There are so many areas of life you can optimize, but in order to do that, you need to challenge yourself and do hard things. And the question I ask to people when I start working with them, when was the last time you did a hard thing? When was the last time? If they cannot answer that, I know we're not going to get a good result because I'm going to ask you to do hard things. And if you're not prepared to work a little bit harder, have a little bit less, stay a little bit longer, we're not going to achieve the result because you've got to be prepared to just that extra 5%, that extra 10%. You've got to stretch it a little bit. You've got to push yourself. And I think people find it hard to visualize massive change. So that's why I say, well, just visualize a 10% change. When you get to that new 10%, set another 10%. When you get to that 10%, set another 10%. So if you need to lose 50 kilos, 
If you're 150 kilos, you need to lose 50. That seems massive for people. Don't think about the 50. Lose 10. Lose five. Once you lose that five, lose the next five. Once you lose that five, and the same the other way around. If you can only bench press 20 kilos, just visualize your next goal as 25. Mm. When you get 25, visualize 30, and you, you will get there. That is the process of optimization. That's the, that's the fun of it as well. Like you, I think that's where true fulfillment and gratuity for life comes is in the challenge. It's in the middle of it. Like when you get to the end, whether that's like an income goal or a physique goal, it's not that fun. <laughs> it's really not. Um, and those goalposts, as soon as you get there, whether you say I'm going to earn X amount or I'm going to look like this, those goalposts are going to go from here to here. They're going to move straight away. Um, and the fun is in the chase. The fun is getting to that position. It's the journey that it takes to get there. Like I always say to clients, if I gave you ab implants and I gave you a really good physique today with magic wand and you didn't work from it, you'd have the same insecurity you to have the same lack of confidence like the growth is in that struggle the growth is in that challenge and i think that's that's an absolute massive thing that people can take away from listening to this is like just go do hard shit yeah <laughs> like, go head on <laughs> and and you know what archie that's the thing if they can do hard things in fitness on their health they can apply that same grit in their business if they've been gritty in their business they can apply that same grit and determination to fostering a better relationship with their partner. If they've, you know, just any area that they've just done tough things in, they can use that confidence in other areas. And that's the magic. If you change someone's life in fitness, watch how all the other areas improve. I always say that. I always say I've never worked with someone that's built an amazing physique or done something amazing in fitness and every single area hasn't improved. Like it just, it just happens because you're a different person. You view life differently. You view challenge differently. You view hard things differently. Um, and you've proved it to yourself. Again, it goes back to proving to yourself who you actually fucking are. Yeah, um, right. it is this person that goes, goes and gets shit done. So I'm, I'm interested again in like your journey in, in that aspect. So health consultancy, did you go through your own journey of changing your health and going from position A to B or position A to Z? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was younger I hated sport um I was that typical kid of like you know trying to get out of doing any sport like oh I forgot my towel I forgot my PE kit oh mum write me a note like whatever and um so I was never really into sport never really good at it and then I think when my mum passed away I actually gained a lot of weight I was emotionally eating like most people do um I probably went up to about 110 kilos I'm um, about 80 now, but I went up to about 110 when I was like 15. Wow. Um, so you can imagine that was, and you know, I'm in an inner city state school. Like, uh, luckily, for some reason, I was never bullied. But actually, like, I was prime target if, <laughs> if, 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 if the kids were bad, but they were all pretty good. Um, so I was never bullied. But actually, I went when I was going to college in that summer between school and college, I just didn't want to be that person anymore I didn't want to be that fat kid I didn't want to be unhealthy I didn't want to be the funny one I just I just wanted to be a better version of me who wasn't kind of like hiding behind this facade and so I signed up to fitness first uh just a bog standard gym I think it was like 30 pounds a month uh and I just I was didn't have any confidence with like using weights and stuff and I used I think it's called the cross trainer, uh, where it's like a ski thing. And I used to be on it for an hour a day, um, seven days a week. 
I used to watch like grand designs. I used to do my A-level homework, like study while on the cross trainer. Lost a lot of weight. I think I probably went down to like 90, 85 kilos. Went to university. Um, again, kind of got into running, got into cycling, but not into, into fitness. And then when I went and worked um, in engineering, I kind of maintained my cardio, but I wasn't strong. I wasn't into weight training. I wasn't really into health. And then I remember working in Saudi. I think anyone that lives in this part of the world, you gain a bit of weight. Eat out, go to buffets, go to the lunches and stuff. And um, I remember going to a party. It was a house party and they had a pool. And the uh, one of the guys I worked with said to me, oh, Phil. I was like, yeah. He's like, you've got muffin tops. And I was like, what? And he was like, <laughs> pointing out, everyone looked. And you know that little bit of fat that God slips over you when, <laughs> when you <laughs> eat a bit too much? A little bit of a donut. I had them. And I was like, right. No, I don't like this. It's just not healthy. It was the wake-up call I needed. So I signed up to a PT, uh, started working out with him, got much fitter really quickly. But then I decided, well, I want to learn this. I want to know how to get fitter myself. I don't want to listen to someone else. So I signed up to a course, uh, learned just for my own anatomy, just for my own training, started studying nutrition and then when I moved into run health retreats I obviously had to upskill every area because I couldn't have my team knowing everything and I don't know anything so then I studied nutrition then I studied blood work then I studied hormones then I studied gut health and solved my own issues so my testosterone was pretty okay it wasn't great but it was okay I was like okay how do I, I want to get this higher so I think when I probably if I look back at my data I may have been like you know, maybe 550, 600, pretty normal, not high, not low, just normal. Now it's up at 850 through naturally optimizing. Um, you know, when I started with blood sugar, my blood sugar was pretty okay. It was about 95 and fasted. Now it's like 80. So I've, I've tried to optimize all my own biomarkers. Um, I used to have gut problems. Uh, now I don't like all the things that I've learned is to actually solve my own problems. And then people start asking you, how did you do that? How do you, and without being on a diet, how are you doing this? And so, yeah, it's been a great journey. Like I used to have massive sleep problems and that's why I studied sleep. Uh, this was before um, Matthew Walker wrote his book. And uh, I actually wrote a book at the same time as him, but he obviously had better publicity than I did. <laughs> um, his was called Why, we, Why You Sleep or Why We Sleep. Mine was called like How to Get Better in Bed. I had a better title. <laughs> like my book, How to Be Better in Bed, Quicker, Deeper, Longer, Faster. I was like, that's a good title. Um, I still got it if you want to copy Arthur. Did you? So like that was to solve my own problems. Um, so everything I've, I've learned is to basically optimize myself. And it just so happens many people have these problems um so obviously now clients come to me with problems i don't have and then i go and study that subject or hire people to help me and learn from them and then pass the knowledge on yeah i love that so the one thing that you said there that i'm really interested in mm. is naturally optimizing testosterone mm. and the reason i'm very interested in this one um i have some idea about it uh, but obviously you're the expert here mm. uh, we get guys whether they're clients whether they're people in my dms on instagram saying should I go on this cycle of testosterone? Should I do this, this uh, cycle of steroids? And these people uh, are in a position where they're still eating like ham sandwiches for lunch. They're still having um, like McDonald's at the weekend and going out boozing. So tell me about naturally optimizing testosterone. I'm going to leave that as a very open question. 
Okay, first thing I'm going to say, I'm not your doctor. So anything I say is not medical advice. Uh, it's just my opinion. So Small please, print. Yeah, so please <laughs> don't do this. Yeah. Um, consult your doctor, first off. What I will say is this. Testosterone is a hormone, but it's a hormone that every guy, and, and women have it as well, but guys, we want, you know, it's kind of the macho thing. We want high testosterone, right? But what actually is it? It's the thing for your fertility, for your libido, for your get up and go. So when you're young, this is quite high. Over time, this drops. Naturally, every one of us will drop. The rate of decline depends on how we treat our body, how we fuel it, how we stress it, and different, different factors. But all of us will drop. But what we want to do is decrease the rate of dropping. In fact, we want to increase if possible. So most guys, when you go to a doctor, the range of what's acceptable is huge. It's from 200 to 800, typically. Uh, every country has different ranges. But the problem is, is that if you're 20 and you're, say, 500, you'll be within the range. So the doctor won't say anything. You'll be like, oh, you're normal. You're good. The problem is if you're 20 and it's 500, when you're 30, it's going to go to 350. When you're 40, it's going to drop down and it's going to keep dropping. So you've got to start working on this pretty much in your 20s um, so that you can optimize it for the future. Now, testosterone isn't required to live. You know, like we can have low testosterone and function, but to be optimal, we want it to be as high as possible. So what happens for the body if you're eating shit, if you're not sleeping, if you're really overstressed, if you're not eating the right types of food, if your gut is inflamed, if your blood sugars are high, if any stress on the body, what will happen is the body will go, well, what, what don't we need? Testosterone is not required. So the body will be like, well, sod that. We won't give that much effort. We need to keep this guy alive. So it will focus its energy on, on liver function. It will focus energy on kidney. It will focus energy on your heart. All these other areas that are really important for the body. So testosterone will naturally start dropping at an increased rate when the body is stressed. So to increase testosterone, it makes sense that we need to de-stress the body. So how do we de-stress the body? We give it what it needs. We give it sunlight. We give it food that doesn't inflame the body. We lower blood sugars. We help the liver function better we don't work the kidney so hard so it's a whole multitude of things we stay hydrated we get better sleep we build more muscle so that we have lower blood sugars so there's 101 factors to optimize someone's nutrition uh, so that they can optimize their testosterone there isn't one protocol there are supplements you can take both naturally and uh, you know synthetic but the problem with that is is that if you take, especially if it's TRT, you will go up. Most people feel good, but what comes up must come down. And when you stop it, it will drop. And when it drops, it will drop lower than where it started. So unless you're prepared to be on this cycle for the rest of your life, is this something you want to start? So what I say to people is just do your research, speak to your doctor. If you're clinically depressed and you're like, it's suicidal, do something quick. Okay, but if you're okay levels, maybe work with someone to help you raise those levels naturally. And maybe that's great. Maybe you'll feel amazing. Maybe you're not hitting 900, 1000, but maybe seven or 800, you feel amazing. And that's okay. 
so everyone's a little bit different, but my recommendation is to try to do things as naturally as possible. With me, with my clients, the word supplement comes up a lot. People are like, what supplement should I take? I'm like, first of all, we need to optimize your nutrition. We need to optimize your sleep. We need to optimize your gut health, like all these things. If at that stage we're still low, then we supplement as an option. So that's my thoughts on testosterone. And I think for a lot of guys, it's the buzzword that we all want to increase. Do your research first. Yeah, I think people are just looking for the easy way out, right, when it comes to that side of things. Um, and that's why, like, steroids have is such a big market for people is because they don't want to put in the hard work to, to actually naturally optimize it. And they're thinking five minutes ahead rather than five years ahead or 50 years ahead when it's going to be a problem. Exactly. And one thing I should mention as well, testosterone isn't a hormone in isolation. So when you raise testosterone, either naturally or chemically, um, synthetically, other biomarkers move around. So, for example, if you increase your testosterone artificially uh, through, you know, TRT or something like that, then things like cholesterols will rise. Uh, your liver and your heart will be under more pressure. So if you just take testosterone, maybe you're messing up these other factors and therefore your heart will be more inflamed. And that's why a lot of, again, people that take these supplements have heart conditions afterwards they're putting their body under a lot of stress so they're fixing one problem and causing another and that's why health needs to be really considered and that's why i use biomarkers because there's hundreds of them and i get to look at all of them and i never want to compromise someone's health so even when someone comes to me wanting to lose weight i will help them lose weight but not to compromise their health markers because if I make them unhealthy, like for a female, if I mess up her thyroid, I create more problems. If I take a guy and I drop his fats too low and I create testosterone problems, now he's going to be depressed. So there's like, you've got to look at it as a whole. I want, I want you to talk to, uh, talk to me about fats as well, because this is one that we, we get quite often. So I'm always telling my clients their fats need to be um, at a minimum, at a certain minimum level, depending on that client. Mm -hmm. And they're always like, why? It's like, it's fats. Um, so t tell me more about fats and why fats are important for hormone function, important for health, imp important for performance. Yeah, absolutely. So fats are a macro, just like carbs, protein, and fi arguably fiber. Um, Fats and carbs are your fuel sources. Carbs, glucose, is a fuel source very quick. Very, it releases very quickly into your body, uh, and that's its function, to give you energy very fast. That's why when you're tired, you crave carbs. Fats, meanwhile, are also a fuel source, but much more endurance, much more slow, much more um, slow releasing. But they also serve another function, which carbs don't, which is every hormone in your body is made from fat. So if you go too low in fat, the hormones that control every function in your body are not going to be made. So if you're a guy who wants to increase testosterone and you're too low fat, it won't work. If you're a female and you want to improve your thyroid and you're too low fat, it won't work. In fact, what will happen is that person, because they need energy, they will increase their carbs. And if they increase their carbs too high and they're not using those carbs up properly, they put a lot of load on their liver. They put a lot of load on their kidney, which cleans the liver. And, and therefore, you end up with things like uric acid, which cause arthritis. So then you can't train. Um, and therefore, you gain weight. 
And when you gain weight, you put more stress on the body. So you end up in this vicious cycle. So fats are really required. The main reason is because they create the hormones of your body. And the hormones are the staff of your body. They control every function, not just the macros. So I say to my clients, your macros are like the guests in your body. They come in. But the hormones dictate what happens with them. Uh, and the hormones are made from fat. So That's a great analogy. Yeah, it's that. very, very important. And equally, another function of them is fats, in terms of like cholesterol uh, and, and soothing anti-inflammatory effects, things like omega-3 are a fat. They are very anti-inflammatory. So your body, your cells are constantly being attacked, uh, whether it's through nutrition or stress or toxins in the environment. And to bring down that inflammation, things like omega-3, DHEA, help reduce that inflammation. So the body needs a certain level of fat. And if you don't provide it, you'll compromise your health. Very simple. Yeah, so when I, when I did my first ever photo shoot, this was like before I was clued up on this stuff, my fats dropped to like scary levels. When I look mm. back now, they were like 20 grams. Mm. Um, like really, really stupid. We never recommend a client to go that low ever. Um, don't get me wrong. Again, when we were talking about doing hard shit earlier, that taught me a lot. But I remember when my fats were that low, my mood was so low. Um, my brain function wasn't working properly. So I was like trying to remember things and trying to think about things. It just wasn't like my cognitive function wasn't there, um, let alone actual physical performance. Um, but it was kind of a situation like needs must. This this body fat's got to come off. And um, yeah, so everything that you say there, like I completely resonate with it. I've, I've lived it firsthand. And now I think when I went through that experience and I did more research myself, I completely flipped the script on, on what I believed in and with that as well. Like that, yes, there's digging to get the result done but it's not fucking worth it to get to get to that point because you're just going to be happy. You're going to be moody, uh, unhappy. You're going to be moody um, and you're not going to be able to perform. And, and ultimately it's like, it's unconductive for the result in the long term as well. Uh, yeah, it absolutely depends on what a person wants. Mm. If we're promoting optimal health, then sorry to say to people that are going really low percentage fats, that may not be healthy. And people that are achieving those levels, they will admit to you, this is not healthy. Yeah. We don't stay at these levels. So you've got to ask yourself, unless you're performing on stage and that's your sport, which no judgment, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But for the typical person who has no you know, reason to be this low fat, ask yourself, are you compromising something that you can't get back? So you know, your hair relies on having a certain amount of fat your skin your gut your your testosterone your other hormones so often what happens and this is why i have this big argument with people that just say you know calories in calories out that's the only argument they have well hold on a minute first off if you're going super high carbs if if calories don't doesn't matter where you get it from then you could go super high carbs right and go zero fat if you did that your blood sugars will spike What's the only hormone that brings blood sugar down? There's only one, and it's called insulin. It's the only hormone in your body that brings blood sugar down. So if you don't have fat and you've raised your blood sugar super high, there is no hormone to bring it back down. Hashtag diabetes. <laughs> That's a hell of a Like it's super simple, right? So it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So unless you're some genetic freak that, is able to process, you know, carbs without hormones, I don't, you know, and be able to manage your blood sugar without hormones, then you're going to have to get it externally. And that's why people, you know, take insulin shots because their body can't produce insulin or the body doesn't receive insulin 
the pancreas doesn't create it or whatever. So that's the danger of being, you know, very blasé about just calories in, calories out. You've got to understand food is fuel and every macro serves a different purpose. And it's surprising when I work with my clients and coaches and, you know, experts, I work with doctors and nurses and dentists and um, fitness trainers and everyone. And I'm like, this industry has just made a very simple calorie model the bible but actually there's many other factors involved yeah there's so many bits in between right um and i think if someone takes that too literally like if anyone listening to this if you want to lose weight and you take calories in calories out literally go eat skittles for all of your calories every day you're going to last two days you're going to feel like complete shit um and it's it, there's so much more behind it so much more individuality it's like people come to us and i'm sure they do with you as well it's like I've tried this for so long. I've, my calories have been X. Uh, and it's like, what happened? Oh, I fell off because of X, Y, Z. It's, it's because, yeah, your food quality shit. Again, yeah. it's like the guy that's eating ham sandwiches for lunch every day and stuff exactly. like that. Like you're, you're it's, a part, it's a part of the puzzle, for sure. 100%. It's a part of the puzzle. But it's not the only piece. And there's other pieces. And for some people, not the most important piece. Yeah. So for, for me, a lot of females, I focus on hormone health. Yeah. Uh, and then when I get their hormones pretty balanced their weight naturally drops because basically a balanced system will optimize weight so i say as a phrase to my clients optimal health leads to optimal weight optimal weight does not equal optimal health you can be op you can look amazing and be unhealthy been there done it right <laughs> like that's true yeah. so i'm just like take your time slow and steady wins the race let's see how your body reacts let's get you down to a nice weight let's look at the markers like i get people coming to me being like i want to be 65 kilos how do i how long is it going to take i'm like first off i can't promise you that's going to be healthy so let's just get you down to 70 check your blood work let's see where you're at maybe that's actually healthy and you can make a decision like i'm not your doctor mm -hmm. do the hell what you want it's your body it's your life you've got to live in this vessel for the rest of your life i just I'm going to see you for the next year. Like, so I'm going to give you the information. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to guide you. Ultimately, it's your decision. And I think a lot of people just jump into the aesthetics of health. Um, but actually, your body for the rest of your life has to move around, has to wake up in the morning. It's going to be in pain or not. No one else feels that. So people might be like, oh, you look amazing, but you may feel shit. Similar to talking about my job, right? It's like, I looked like I was doing really well, but internally I felt shit. Yeah. And the same thing in health. Yeah, I love that, man. I think that's a, I think that's a really good position to wrap up. So, yeah, mate, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, it's probably not going to be the last time we have you on, I hope. Uh, it was an absolutely amazing conversation. And, yeah, thanks for coming, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah.